Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is Chris. It's time for uh, nobody's favorite show, Major X Lapsed. Uh, this is episode five, where we're talking about, well, Major X number five. This is the penultimate issue of the main miniseries. This is only going to go six issues, and then there's a zero issue that we'll be covering uh, the week after, which is mostly like a framed flashback sequence, reprinting a couple of old issues of Wolverine that. We'll talk about when we get there, but uh, today it's uh, Major X number 5. Uh, this had an August 2019 cover date, written by Rob Liefeld, with pencils by Brent Peoples. Inks by Adelso Corona, colors Romulo Fajardo Jr., letters VCs Joe Sabino, edits Bisa White Sobolski, cover price $3.99, and went on sale June 12th of 2019. And, uh, well, let's get into it. We pick up right where we left off. If you remember... We were in Genosha, where the Major, McCoy, and the Essential were uh, surrounded by Sentinels. Now, the narrative caption tells us this is Traveler's Log number 2001, without the leading zero of all the prior Traveler's Logs we've seen. Usually it would be like a zero 2001. And if we're going to, you know, if we're going by number significance of the prior logs, then uh, we may just assume that this bit of story is occurring around the year 2001. Well, you know what they say about assuming, so we'll uh, just stick a pin in that for a minute. Now, the Major and McCoy are pretty freaked out by all the Sentinels, which, you know, stands to reason, doesn't it? Well, the Essential tells them that they have nothing to worry about, because the Sentinels won't act unless he uh, commands them to. These are all under his control. Uh, we also learn here that Genosha was once the Essential's home. Suddenly, our trio are confronted by a girl in what looks to be like like a makeshift Nimrod armor. I mean, like if you if you mix like Nimrod with the old school Hellfire Club soldier masks, you really got to just see it to 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 believe how weird this looks. But um, this girl is wearing a you know a Nimfire Club mask, I guess we can call it, and is carrying. A Nimfire Club mask as a shield, a giant, you know, Nimrod Hellfire head as a shield, and has smaller Nimfire Club masks as shoulder pads. It's almost like we're looking at a parody here. It really feels like somebody thought, huh, what looks really, really crazy and what would look like it would fit in in a book that's, uh, you know, just yanked out of 1991? And this is basically it. None of this actually matters, since the girl unmasks, revealing herself to be an ally. Her name is Aura. Now, this reveal was spoiled by the cover, you know, because 
Aura is on the cover of this thing. She is the main focus of the cover, and uh, you'll see that in the cover art for this episode. It's all Aura. Though, if you were to judge by that cover, you'd just assume that Aura was, you know, your bog-standard Liefeldian Amazon sort of character. You know, uh, way too many heads tall and all that stuff here. Uh, Now, here under People's Pencils, she's drawn to look quite a bit younger, at least in this panel. Anywho, she and the Essential embrace, with the latter warning that he will be gone soon. He only has a few moments left. The Major looks at how the Essential and Aura react to one another and seems almost jealous of the affection that they share. I doubt this was intentional, but what are you going to do? So, the Essential turns to the Major and McCoy and tells them that his current form has been compromised. How? Why? I haven't the foggiest idea, and it really doesn't matter. The Essential claims to have taken measures to ensure that he will go on. Just, I suppose, not in his, you know, purple kick-ass body. Uh, it'll be a different body. The Major is confused, and uh, I can't blame him. Uh, and Aura picks up on this. Uh, even though they haven't been property, properly introduced yet, Aura talks to Major X as though they've known each other forever. She even calls him Major when... As far as I can see here, they they shouldn't know each other. Now, the ex-central confirms that everything he's been going on about is way too complex for the Major to ever truly comprehend. Because the Major's confused, we're confused, I guess we are just so far below the essential. Where, I'm sure if we were smarter people, this would make total sense and we would be getting a whole lot out of it. So once he's done yapping, he does like the uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi thing after he duels with Darth Vader on the Death Star. You know, like when Darth Vader swipes at him and he just vanishes and, and leaves a pile of clothes behind. That's basically what we get from the Essential here. And McCoy comments that this was a rather unexpected turn of events, but really it's rather tame in comparison to so much of what we've read in the series so far. Oh, oh wait, before the Essential does the thing... He confirms that the existence will come back. So, uh, mission accomplished, I guess? Eh, we're not done yet. Um, just then, Aura starts to convulse. McCoy catches her, and it's soon clear that the power of essential mania is now flowing through her veins. Just then, more Nimfire Club soldiers enter the scene to find out what's going on here. They attempt to apprehend the Major, who resists, and then... These, uh, these other Nimfire soldiers are incinerated. Bada-bing, bada-boom, we see a sky full of armored beings. Maybe robots, maybe sort of sentinels. And they're being led by the Administrator, who uh, hasn't let go of everything that went down back at the Watchtower all the way in the long ago of the year 2000. Oh, by the way, this portion of the story takes place in the year 2019 which I guess means our traveler's logs numbers were meaningless, or we just forgot. So yeah, the administrator has been waiting for this very moment for the better part of two entire decades. So he is stuck to the shadows, not bothering a soul, just waiting for Major X to come back. <sighs> we'll talk about a life without meaning, right? So yeah, the administrator and his bots launch an attack. And it's worth noting, there are like hundreds of these stupid robots all primed to kill a single target in Major X. Just then, the Essential Aura releases the uh, friendly Sentinels and engages the other Sentinels in battle. 
It's worth noting, Aura seems to be like rapidly aging and de-aging depending on the panel. There are times where she looks like a middle-aged, I don't know, truck stop a lot lizard. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I And then there's times where she looks like a preteen. There's... It's fairly tragic. Um, from here, we get a two-page spread with more bot battling. Uh, Aura confronts the administrator, who reveals, duh, he's not even really here, it's just another friggin' hologram. The essential Aura is cool with that, since she, he, they, can somehow reach through the hologram to affect the actual administrator himself. Which is exactly what happens. Back at the watchtower, the administrator slumps over. <laughs> Probably dead. Hopefully dead, I guess. I, oh, boy. Back on Genosha, the essential aura reveals that the threat has been neutralized. Not sure where all Skate 800 robots went to, but we'll let other people worry about that. Somehow, in the midst of all this madness, Aura realizes that Major X's mother has been targeted. Well, that's, uh, okay. A little out of nowhere, but whatever. We get a scene shift here to Atlantis. Now, Nomar, Laura, and a cloaked individual are shown carrying the Essential's lifeless body. So, okay. So this is the Essential from the Existence then, right? Like, from back in the first issue, whose death triggered the whole Existence crumbling to bits? Uh, we'll just go with that, Okay. Then, as they're talking, the Essential's body, this Essential's body, does the Obi-Wan Kenobi thing, just vanishes, leaving the kick-ass outfit behind. The Atlanteans then talk about this being an omen, and how they ought to declare war on mutant kind. Laura suggests that the uh, cloaked individual blow the Proteus horn to, I don't know, unrash, unla- unleash the wrath of the seas? The cloaked figure then unhoods, <gasps> revealing themselves to be... Come on, do I, do I really need to tell you? Is there anyone listening to this who doesn't know who this is going to be? I mean, this reveal has already been spoiled in this very series, so I don't know why this is being treated as anything anything short of earth-shattering. I mean, it's Namor, of course. Duh. Then we get an entire page of him blowing the horn. Okay. Scene shift. We're at the Charles Xavier School for Gifted Youngers, Youngsters, uh, current year... Well, current year is in pre-Hoxpox, I guess, so 2019. Our, our X-Men consist of Jean Grey, Nightcrawler, X-23, Storm, Jubilee, Bishop, Not Yet Call Me Kate, Iceman, and Beast, though this roster seems to fluctuate by the panel. Anywho, Jean's gotten an alert about something big going down on Genosha. Storm says she'll prepare the Blackbird, but is interrupted by the arrival of Major X, McCoy, and the Essential Aura. And it looks like they just walk in the front door here. Um, the X-Men are rightly freaked out. Though, nobody seems all that bothered by the fact that these strangers appear to have another version of Hank McCoy with them. You know, since the beast that we know is in this very room as well, nobody mentions it. Maybe that'll be something that happens in issue 6. Anywho again. Aura, who at this point is drawn to look like a, like a five-year-old... She says that they're here to stop a calamity, and they need the X-Men's help in order to preserve Major X's bloodline. Okay. What Aura actually says here, and I quote, is, 
we must preserve the family of our beloved Major X. Which, (laughs) yeah, we must preserve the family of our beloved Major X. That's like up there with my beautiful brother Brian over in Excalibur. This is... Wow. Um, Now, with that, the Major removes his helmet. Now, we know, we've seen the Major's face before, we know he's a black man, but here they're really drawing attention to the fact that he also has very, very, very white hair. I want to say his hair was usually depicted as being a little bit more, a little darker than this, maybe a little bit more salt and pepper. Not this shockingly white. Though, it's not without precedent, of course, because the big reveal, our cliffhanger here, is that his mother is... The Storm. And I think we called that one several episodes ago, but uh, that's where we leave it. Next episode of Major X Laughs, we will wrap up the miniseries proper with Major X number six, and then the episode after that will we'll pop in on that zero issue. But let's talk about what we learned here today. <sighs> oh boy. <laughs> I mean, what can we even say about this one? Um... I feel like anything I could point out, and everything that I have already pointed out, I feel like I'm being mean. I feel like I'm punching down. This isn't good. And you know me, I hate saying that things are bad. I'll say things are not for me, rather than saying things are are, are bad, but this isn't good. And uh, somehow, over the course of the past five issues, it's gone from fun to bad Then it skipped over the so-bad-it's-good territory and found itself as so-bad-it's-a-chore. You know, we we didn't get that that wonderful little honeymoon of so-bad-it's-good where we could just laugh at the cheesiness of it. It just, it skipped right over that. Now, one of the things I've said about this series probably a few times to this point is that Major X marries all of the worst elements of 90s storytelling with all the worst elements of current-year storytelling sensibilities. We keep getting these senseless reveals, which I'm assuming are supposed to be a big deal. And maybe back in 1991, 1992, they would have been? Though, this is done so poorly, I don't think it would have even worked back then. Did we learn anything here? Like, do we have any better idea who or what the essential is? We know he lived on Genosha, then somehow made his way to the Watchtower. Then somehow figured out how to create an entire reality in the existence. Then was killed by Atlanteans. And now we're here again. And you know, one of the things I hate doing is the whole time loop thing because... Maybe it's... uh, I just don't find that concept near as interesting as perhaps I should. But, like, if we look at it that way, does Major X always have to intervene to trigger these events? Like in the first go-round, how did the Essential go from the Watchtower to the Existence? Was Aura always involved? Who the hell is Aura? Will this wind up with a new Existence, or just a re-establishment of the original? Does any of this even matter? Ugh. Are there now Are there now two Namors running around the 616 Marvel Universe? You know, the real one and this bearded Existence one. I mean, Namor, Nomar, and Laura, they're at Prime Earth Atlantis, are they not? Wouldn't our Namor or the other Atlanteans notice this? Especially after bearded Namor blew the friggin' horn, right? So where is the real Namor? Maybe he took one look at this disaster and just noped the hell out. Uh, 
Genosha, these Nimrod Hellfire Club soldiers, are they just hanging out? Would they be set up here even if this story didn't happen? How and why are they occupying this place? Are there like are there really a legion of good sentinels posted there all the time? I mean Genosha Genosha really hasn't been too big a thing for a little while now. The last I can remember was that uh that volume of Uncanny X-Men, uh it was like that weird one that was like mostly featuring villains, you know? Um probably Maybe right after the Hickman Secret was, so probably late 2015, early 2016, maybe mid-2016. And it had, like, Magneto, Mystique, and Sabretooth with, like, the featured characters in it. Now, if I'm remembering right, and I may not be, I think Magneto set up shop on Genosha there. I might be misremembering that. So, if I'm not misremembering that, were these geeks and sentinels part of that? I don't remember any of that myself, but, uh... What's that line? What is it? Forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown, right? It's, we just accept it and move on. Because uh, to explain it would just be far too... Uh, it would be such an exertion of energy that it wouldn't be satisfying anyway. So, how about the administrator, eh? How about our big bad here? I, I guess that's... Uh, one way of explaining why such a great and powerful villain hasn't been heard of or seen since the original Watchtower story 20 years ago? We find out he was just waiting for this Major X series to kick off. I hope it was worth it. Um, now, the battle we get between him and the Essential Aura was... anticlimactic? I guess that's a nice and fair way of putting it, right? Though, it begs the question... If the Essential has the power to travel through time and space, why then didn't he just take the Major to the year 2019 at the friggin' Watchtower? What was the point of going to Genosha? Did the Essential need Aura's body in particular? Did, was that the only body he can inhabit? Will the reasons for this come up again? Probably not. Or did Rob just really want to include a female hero here? I don't want to plainly say that none of this makes sense, so I'll just say it's nonsensical. Is that fair? Uh, <laughs> I feel like maybe I'm being a bit too diplomatic, but I mean, you guys know me by now. If there's a fence in view, I'll, I'll ride that sucker till it breaks. Uh, and, I, and I don't mean that in any sort of gross way. That's just, a, uh, I guess, a euphemistic way of me saying I don't like taking a side and I don't like saying things that are too negative. What else? What else? Um, now, the X-Men scene at the end of the issue. Uh, even though I'm like 90, 95% sure that this story is happening in the Prime Marvel Universe, it feels totally disconnected from anything and everything that feels real, right? That said, I mean, this scene was weird. Um, I'm not sure how the Major and company managed to infiltrate the X-Mansion, especially considering the last time he tried that, in this very series, he found himself attacked by a bunch of heavy hitters. Here, though, they just casually saunter into the study for a chat. I, I guess maybe we can lampshade that by saying the essential aura made that possible, but eh, I'm still not completely buying it. Also, can't let go of the fact that none of the X-Men, including Beast, mentioned that, you know, McCoy is there. <laughs> it's uh, another one of them suspension of disbelief challenges, but I mean... What can I even say? 
Uh, the big reveal, which I'll give them, was brand new information. You know, despite the fact that we figured it out pretty quick here on the show. I mean, Storm was on the cover of Major X number one, despite not actually showing up until, like, right now. So it wasn't like we were using Batman levels of detectivery here, right? It's, uh, it's one of these things is not like the other, so she must fit somewhere. But it was new. The confirmation, anyway, was new. And I suppose maybe that there was at least one reader out there who gasped at this last page, right? I mean, at least one, right? Maybe? Hopefully? I don't know. The art here was uh, serviceable, uh, just like the other issues that uh, Peoples penciled. Though it's worth noting that the design of Aura is all over the place. There are panels here where she looks facially like a toddler, and others even on the same page where she looks menopausal. It's very uneven, very off-putting, just uh, the design on Aura need, need some work. Uh, Rob will be back on Art Duty's next issue. I mean, your mileage may vary if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm looking forward to it, personally, but uh, I'll leave that for, for everybody else to decide. Overall, the series started off very fun. Then it became sort of fun to poke holes in. Now it's not even really fun to do that. It's a toughie. And I gotta wonder how other folks who have read this uh, feel. Uh, please let me know your thoughts on on Major X here. If if you've made it this far, um, if you've made it this far in this in this audio series I'm giving you, I would assume that maybe you'd have a thought or two on the quality of this story and just the uh, sensical or nonsensical nature of it. So please uh, let me know your thoughts. I'm very excited to hear what you guys think. Um, I think I talked a couple episodes ago about. How this was sort of a sort of a flash in the pan, despite the fact that they touted that like every single issue sold out before it hit the shelves, which is a whole other kettle of fish that I hate. But uh, the first issue had many, many, many reviews. Um, relatively speaking, of course, this issue, uh, Major X number five, can't really find very many reviews on it. It's uh, it uh, kind of fell out of. Uh, just fell out of favor, fell out of people's interests. It fell out of people's even peripheral vision from the from the looks and sounds of it. But uh, we'll see how this all comes together uh, with the final ep- issue uh, next episode. And oh, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Um, but that's where we'll leave it for today. I think I've said pretty much everything that can be said about uh, Major X number five. Oh, there was an Atlantean scene that I hated, <laughs> but that. Uh, yeah, that's just me hating Atlantean scenes wholesale, so it doesn't really matter what book they show up in. But that's where we'll leave it, because I think I've said everything that needs saying, uh, at least on my end. Uh, again, I'm looking forward to hearing from other folks what they feel about this series. Uh, if you'd like to let me know, please feel free to do so. I'm I'm on Twitter at Ace Comics or the old Gmail box at uh, weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. There's also the site the, where you can find show notes and blog posts. It's chrisoninfiniteearths.com. You can leave comments there, too. I would uh, like to see some there if, uh, if you're interested, of course. I know the blogger format is kind of a pain in the ass and sometimes eats c- complete comments, so uh, Twitter and Gmail are probably the easiest way to do so. Um, you can find the entire audio archives for the Chris and Reggie channel at chrisandreggie.podbean.com. Uh, I recently got a message from Podbean saying that it's now possible to host many different shows on your uh, on your channel. So 
Maybe I'll start breaking things out to make it a little bit easier to navigate. Um, Got to look into it, though, because I'm kind of a scared rabbit when it comes to that sort of thing. So maybe uh, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. <laughs> but either way, uh, chrisandreggie.podbean.com, where you can find all the noise coming out of this channel. Uh, I want to thank you all so much for hanging out, spending your possibly your Sunday morning with me here. And uh, till next time, as always, I will talk to you again real soon. See ya.